Hey everyone, welcome back to On Point. This episode I sit down with Trey from Lift, Run, Hunt, and we talk about how he was inspired from the born and raised outdoors to come from east over to west and try his hand at elk hunting. He was inspired by those guys and uh, found some success on his second year, kind of got his butt kicked his first year, and we talk about his journey into uh, what he's doing now. So it was a great episode. He brings a lot of great insight, for, especially for guys that are wanting to learn how to start uh, getting into elk hunting, especially from over east. Things that he saw, that he learned, that he needed, that he didn't know, and things that he didn't think about. Um, just has some great insight. I appreciate him sitting down, and I hope you guys like this episode. Before we start, be sure to go check out the YouTube channel if you want to check out all the new videos we're doing on the bow reviews. Bow comparison videos are coming probably next week, and uh, excited to do those. Those are always the most popular ones that I do, and uh, be sure just to type in the YouTube search bar, my name, Garrett Weaver, I'll pull right up, click that subscribe button with the bell icon, and that way you get notified when I upload the bow comparison videos for 2020. So outside of that, guys, appreciate you listening, and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Well, let's go ahead and get this thing going, man. So uh, one of my uh, listeners, uh, shout out to Ben, watched your, I think your YouTube channel, follows you on Instagram, I believe. He's like, you got to have this guy on and have him tell a story. And I've been looking at trying to do the same thing in reverse. So like, I don't have any experience hunting whitetails or anything like that. Gotcha. And so I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, I, I was thinking about it on my end and I'm like, Man, that really take a you know a set of cojones just to come over here and, and you know be willing to fail, not shoot anything, not know where you're mm-hmm. going or anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like trying to figure out that for whitetail. I'm like, man, you know these guys are these guys are brave. You know, like they <laughs> they just they go for it, and I love it. And so I want to kind of hear yeah. your story, how how it went, and, and who you are. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get a little bit of an intro and about you, and we'll get into this thing. Absolutely. So I'm Trey Hostetler. Um, from originally from Arkansas, so basically I grew up in Arkansas as a kid. Uh, shot my first whitetail, ironically, in Arkansas when I was ten years old. And so, I mean, I don't consider myself a fanatic whitetail hunter. You know, I I hunt on weekends. I'm not. I mean, I enjoy whitetail hunting, but for me, my first whitetail experience was just incredible you know i shot a white tail it was the best thing that ever had happened to me in my life and i just thought man this is this is amazing but you know i i kind of got into bow hunting and it was just southern arkansas is tough hunting and you know you'd watch tv shows and you just kind of get depressed you know because man these guys are shooting giants and i don't even have any property to hunt on you know and so that was my growing up experience and you know, I, I, I've shot some whitetails. I've, I've got a few deer heads in my house, but nothing, nothing just crazy. And so I got married pretty young. I got married when I was 21 and moved to Missouri. And, uh, that's, you know, kind of when everything changed for me, I hunting, you know, my father-in-law had some good hunting property and I hunted that a little bit, shot a pretty nice whitetail. And, uh, but still, you know, just wasn't it for me as far as I you know I did eat the meat it wasn't that's wasn't why I was hunting wasn't for the meat I I just want to shoot the biggest buck and that's not I'm not trying to say that's all bad but but for me I I wanted something else I felt like and and so a buddy of mine he'd been hunting you know when you move out of state you always make new friends obviously and so turns out 
I got met this new new guy and he'd been hunting Colorado for at the time I think three years and he'd shot his first bull on his third year and so that was kind of my first engagement in elk hunting you know hey how'd it go where did you hunt and what's the terrain like you know what's what's it like all these questions and so I got married in 2016 and fall of 2016 I actually ended up working with this kid and and uh you know hey he's going elk hunting again and so I kind of kept track you know what are you doing to get ready and, and you know all that and and so he he goes elk hunting that fall and you know I text in and keeping track and everything and, and uh man I'm just thinking to myself like I, I gotta go do this I want to do this and and it was a perfect storm because you know I get on social media hey you know born and raised that's kind of who I first found on social media and so they're doing this big project and I get all excited keeping track and so I watched their videos I ended up watching their videos and I think it might have been like the second or third video I, I, I had made up my mind like I'm going next year. Like I'm deciding right now in November <laughs> next year, I'm going to go. And, you know, that's kind of how I got into elk hunting. Just pretty much that simple. And, uh, so I watched all their videos, you know, and you get on, you get online, you can pretty much figure out Randy Newberg mm -hmm. starts up and Corey Jacobson. He was big. Cause you know, he's got a ton of information. Um, so, you know, I got on go hunt, got myself an insider membership and just kind of figured it out really, you know, just what can I do to figure out where to go? What can I do to be successful? And then I start figuring out, everybody's talking about, you know, 10% success rate when you go elk hunting. And I'm thinking, man, you know, it's, <laughs> going to be tough probably and and uh it it helped you know i could i could pick my buddy's brain as far as hey what arrows do i need to shoot what broadhead you know, all these details that you know i thought you know if i get a chance i can put one down but uh i you know i i knew okay i wanted to pick my own spot I'm, i want to do this on my own i don't want to have somebody tell me go to this drainage or go to this town and go down this road, you know? So I wanted that to figure it out on my own. And that was big for me. And, uh, so fall 2018, we, uh, you know, I picked out a spot and had a few drop pins on my on X. And I, I thought, you know, driving out, here we go. We're, we're going to do this. And yeah, I had a, I had a lot of surprises waiting for me. I can tell you that. <laughs> I kind of want to get into those surprises because for, <laughs> for a guy that you, you said you hunted whitetail a little bit uh, or a lot, yeah. um, starting when you were well, 10. I mean, you know, when I was young, before I was, you know, get your driver's license when you're 16. So before I was 16, it would have been once or twice a year, you know, just on the opening day rifle weekend. My brother was mm -hmm. going. And so, hey, you can tag along. And so I would say, you know, I hunted 10 to 20 times a year after that. You know, 
after I was able to drive to some public and stuff, you know, not, not really very often. Okay. And so for taking your first step and actually going over there, uh, how did you prepare? How did you start to, um, I mean, there's a lot of how to courses on, on Onyx and stuff like that. What were some mm-hmm. things that worried you going into your first elk hunt? What were some, some things in the back of your mind? In the back of my mind, the first thing was finding elk, you know, and, and that part kind of comes and goes, you know, you think of a lot of things, obviously I decided or committed to it. You know, I think that was big for me was committing to it a year in advance. You mm-hmm. know, if I could tell somebody, you want to go elk hunting, start planning now, you know, right mm-hmm. now it's time to start planning. So a few things that bugged me was, you know, the gear, like I had said earlier, you know, what arrows, what bow weight, you know, can I kill one with what I've got? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing was where to go, you know, that, that was probably the biggest thing was where do I go, you know? And, and like you said, on X has got courses. Randy Newberg has got amazing courses for, for, you know, to help with that. And I, I watched all his videos and stuff on that and um you know fitness was kind of on my mind you know because born and raised guys they'll they'll say you know you don't have to be cameron haynes and and then you go to cameron haynes page and well he's training every day so i just kind of felt like well maybe i need to be in the middle on the fitness deal Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i i ran a lot i tried to stay in shape and so that, that bothered me a little bit. Um, you know, if I'd have a list of things that bothered me as far as what I was getting into would be probably number one was just finding elk and number two was where to go. You know? Yeah. I where imagine. To- and uh, what did you end up – because uh, this podcast is very like uh, gear and, and stuff like that. So I'm curious, what did you end up for a uh, – what was your setup for uh, bow and arrows and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, my wife, I have an awesome wife as I don't know if you follow my Instagram page, she, she's pretty awesome. So, uh, she raised a little bit of money for my, uh, 20, was it my 21st or my 22nd birthday? I think, no, it would have been my 23rd birthday actually. So anyway, um, she raised a little bit of money for me through some friends and stuff. And I took that money and I bought myself a Hoyt RX one carbon bow and a buddy of mine had told me to get a carbon because he said one thing that'll happen when you go elk hunting is you're going to beat the crap out of it it's going to take a beating and you need a tough bow and so i felt like a carbon is going to hold up better and that's what i went with had i not had that extra money i probably you know i gotta be honest i probably wouldn't paid for that for the carbon but I was able to do that, and so that's what I did. Hmm. What about your arrow setup? Did you uh, from from whitetail? Did you did you beef up your arrow at all from whitetail to elk? No. Um, again, my buddy pretty much told me just use what you have, and of course he he knew what I shot at the time. I was shooting the uh, Easton Injection. That's a good arrow. Yeah, four hundred spine and hundred grain tip. So. That's what I, I use that for whitetail the season before, I think, and that's just what I stuck with. Mm, perfect. And what kind of head did you end up with? 
Uh, I used a Rage hypodermic the first year. <laughs> uh, I figured. I watched your video. I watched your uh, video, and I, I'm not bashing. I mean, I, I'm holding the Rage right yeah. here while I'm talking to you. I fit. Yeah. That's my fidget spinner. Um, uh-huh. And uh, when I heard that broadhead, or when I heard your arrow hit, I'm like, oh shit, that was loud. Like it hit, and it didn't really? hit the shoulder. Yeah, it hit the shoulder. It didn't hit the shoulder. It hit like perfect. It was a great shot. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm like, man, that was loud. And so I'm like, ah, and I saw the penetration, but, um, I'm like, man, that sounds like, sounds like a mechanical hitting. Like you could, mm-hmm. you could tell. And so I was just kind of, oh. I was kind of curious if I was off base or on base there, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I bet he was using one of these and, and that's what this, <laughs> this is. A, this is actually a tripan, but, uh-huh. um, that's so, funny. So, so you're saying that it makes louder when it impacts the animal? Um, I, so yeah, there's certain heads that hit harder, um, straight mm-hmm. up. And, and I, I felt like it sometimes I don't know. And maybe it was, I was just a lucky guess, but, um, it just sounded louder. Um, you get a mm-hmm. really sharp, um, fixed blade. Um, uh, mm-hmm. like this year I was using the, the day six, um, Evo and right. I, I barely even heard it hit. Like, um, I shot and I'm like, shoot, I, I sound like I missed, like I didn't even hear it hit. Yeah. And it actually went yeah. through. It went through just behind both shoulders. I mean, it just mm-hmm. went all the way through it. But um, like the annihilators, you ever heard of those? Yeah, those I hit have. hard. <laughs> yeah, but they're yeah. designed. They're designed differently. But you can tell. Um, my buddy shot a hog with one, and and uh, man, it sounded like he just slapped it right on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. So I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of get that out of you. But and yeah. you know, hunting elk. Some guys, um, you know, very successful guys. John Dudley will use those. You mm-hmm. know, great, mm-hmm. great hunter. Um, you know, probably gets paid to use them, but great hunter yeah. and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. and then over here, the severs were kind of a because this last year was the last year. Was the first or no? This year was the first year you could use mechanicals in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so a lot of guys were just you know you get all these you know how the, yeah. how the debates go. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so guys were using Sever, and I've had um, one hunting party tell me we'll never use them again, and then a couple of my other buddies saying they're the best things ever. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't hey, know. Well, well, I've got whitetail friends that over here they are all in on it, and then I've got friends that tell well shouldn't call them friends i have i've had i've heard stories where people say i've sh- I shot at this buck it hit a rib and it you know deflected glanced off i've heard stories where it never opened uh-huh. i've heard stories where people saying it opened and fly all these things for me it was just i've always shot the rage at whitetails and i had nothing but amazing amazing luck on them and so my buddy used rage. He shot multiple elk with it. It worked for him. For, for me, I felt like if I'm going to switch to a bezel head or any fixed blade really is I'll have to commit to knowing my setup better, being able to tune it, you know, shoot my broadhead, you know, all these things that I felt like, you know, I, I just, I'm straight up with it. I, I don't shoot enough, you know, I, I'm not shooting every day, just partly, mostly excuses but partly my job and mm-hmm. and so just the way it goes and and i felt like that's a commitment i need to make if i'm going to shoot the bezel head which i really want to try i need to you know tune my be able to tune my own bow and yeah even you know have a good pro shop i don't that's one thing you know i don't even have a good pro shop here in missouri so man i hear that all the time 
from you guys back yeah. over east. I, I hear that almost every yeah. time I talk to somebody over there. It's like, I don't yeah. have any shops that know how to tune. <laughs> hey, hey, straight up, I don't trust the guys where I purchased my bow at. You know, I've taken my bow in there and had them worked on it. And mm-hmm. just, I'm sorry, man. They just don't, I, I'm not satisfied. I know it's just the way it is, you know. And Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you bring up some good points here because a lot of guys, um, I'd say over over on my side, uh, mm-hmm. are, are probably against the fixed blades or the uh, mm-hmm. the expandables. But mm-hmm. for somebody like in your position, doesn't have a lot of time, doesn't have somebody that can tune. You've got confidence in it; it's proven. You mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather have somebody that has one hundred percent confidence than somebody that has potentially, um, you know, a I would say in my my more my opinion, I'm, I'm a more of a fixed blade guy. But granted, yeah. I've only shot one thing with a with a mechanical. It was a turkey, mm-hmm. and right. uh, you know, I'd rather have a guy that has tons of confidence and a setup that will get the job done, mm-hmm. versus a guy that has absolutely no confidence with the setup that will get better penetration. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, like if if you would have shot that with probably a fixed blade, you probably would blew right through it. But that's that's mm-hmm. all you know. Who who am I to you know to guarantee that? No, no. And hey, I'm I'm freaking thrilled that you're telling me this because you know I I haven't had anybody tell me what you're telling me right now. You know, it's, mm. hey, I've wondered. You know, immediately when I shot, I was like, dude, I'm behind the shoulder. That should have went through. Why didn't it? Yeah. And I didn't open the elk up, but what I thought was maybe the other side shoulder was back because he was kind of whirling when I shot. Hmm. So I th- maybe I hit the opposite shoulder, but maybe that is my first time where, Hey, you know, that wasn't good enough. So, yeah. Well, you're shooting an animal that's three times the size, maybe four times the size of, of a white tail. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how, that looked like a big bull. And so oh, you're probably what, gosh. eight, 900 pounds on, on that bull. Yeah. You know. So we can get into story, but when I took the uh, meat to, uh, I took it to, I think it was a town in Idaho, maybe, it was called the meat shop. Anyway, this guy told me that's hands down the biggest bull that we're going to get the whole year. He was just like, <laughs> he was just telling me like he was going crazy. Like, man, you got so much meat. And yeah. he ended up after trimming, he said it was 325, 320 something. Holy crap. Yeah. 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 And a lot of guys say, so, you know, a third, um, a third of its meat, third of its bone and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, mm-hmm. you know, potentially a close to a thousand pound animal. I mean, that. Oh, he was, it was overwhelming. Yeah. So in the video, man, I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. The butcher's telling you that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, you know, and don't let, don't let anybody talk to, you know, talk you out of confidence in your setup. But, um, I, I would love to maybe send you, uh, a head or something or, or, um, if you ever need any advice or help with, with your tune, call me or I can get you in touch with some of my buddies and we'll walk you through it. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think you'd be shocked. I think you'd be really yeah. surprised what a what a really good fixed fixed blade broadhead would do. However, mm-hmm. um, I'm using a uh, mechanical tomorrow and this weekend for deer. I'm trying to get my first big game kill with a mm-hmm. uh, with a deer uh, mm-hmm. with a with a mechanical with a seven. Right. So I'm trying to go the opposite direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. But well, um, I like I said, I have nothing but awesome awesome luck on my uh, white tail experience. I shot a doe earlier this season. And I mean, just, it was just mind blowing, you know, the amount of blood, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, had I had a fixed blade on it, who knows what it would look like, you know, it could have been the same thing. 
you know it's just one of those deals where it's like ford or chevy like what do you like well yeah. you know I for agree. what saying but when it comes to elk i i think i trust you guys a lot more than i trust yeah. you know whitetail side of it well the bowl that i shot this year um not to talk about myself or anything but i had uh, i had this bowl at um out, out in a unit and he's he's falling asleep i'm just waiting for him to stand up he's falling asleep mm-hmm. falling asleep and then uh <laughs> i'm like man he's far enough away and i got time calm wind everything's perfect i'm like i started reaching for my sever and mm-hmm. then uh, <laughs> i took my hand off the arrow and i grabbed my my day six setup, like my my fixed plate. I'm like, this bowl's too big. I ain't playing around. So, I I I ended up shooting. He went 50 yards and tipped over. But um, yeah, I was like, I just couldn't bring myself to do it as much. I love testing gear out and stuff, mm-hmm. and I wanted to test that sever out on that bowl. I'm like, not this bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yeah. little yeah. little. Uh, I worked too hard <laughs> for mm-hmm. that one, but. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, tons of guys use them. I've got a buddy who's killed plenty of bulls with, with, uh, with the rage and, and, um, he's a fixed blade guy, but you know, a lot of it's shot placement, a lot of yeah. it's shot placement. And so, um, yeah. but get, to get back on, on track here. So your first year, um, did you being, being a whitetail hunter from, from Missouri, did you have the packs and the boots and everything? I mean, how much of your gear spilled over into the back country, Western kind of stuff? None of it. Really? None. I mean, this is like, yeah. So when I, my typical whitetail setup would be get dropped off at a deer stand. All you need is maybe a call, you know, you're never taking water with you or any food, you know, just try to stay warm. Hope you see a deer and if you see a deer, you shoot it, you know? (laughs) So yeah, no gear at all. But, uh, you know, I, I knew I had to have a pack, um, uh, let's see pack was big what's what i'm going to put in my pack was probably the biggest thing and then the food you know i was fortunate enough to have a buddy to call and say hey what do you recommend and so what i would like to say is if you don't if there's somebody out there that doesn't have a buddy to call like i did you know get on instagram dm don't be afraid to ask you know like there's so much content and all you guys, like somebody like you, you know, just send, send out emails, figure, you know, there's, there's a way to, for people to help you, you know, and don't just not go because you don't have a buddy like I had to ask questions. And so I went off of that. Um, I bought the Exo pack in, I think it was January. So I knew I was going hunting in the fall and I knew I had to have packs. So I saved up money. January, I bought the pack, you know, so I already had that. Uh, I bought me myself some shoes that I thought, or kind of boots. I wore the fat tire, Under Armour fat tires, uh, which we, we can get into um, <laughs> because this year it was a nightmare. I was, was, I, I, I was going to go there. I was like, how do those fat tires work out for you? <laughs> well, okay, so, so on the boots, if you're hunting dry country, if you're going to New Mexico uh-huh. or – there's no rain to forecast, whatever. They're awesome. They are awesome. But if it's going to rain or you have any creeks to go through or anything like that, do not take them. Really? Uh, Idaho this year was just miserable. I mean, mentally, it just gets to you when your feet are wet and cold. So I would not recommend it for any type of rainy situation. But my plan this year is definitely get me a boot. 
but also have my fat tires, you know, say I draw a New Mexico tag, I'll still, you know, possibly use them, but for sure a better boot is, is, uh, something I have to get into, but so getting off track or what we were talking about. No, we're just talking about how much of your gear kind of spilled over in, in, into your first year. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's kind of get into your first year here because you went to Colorado, correct? Your, your yep. first, yep. your very first hunt. And that's kind of, mm. that's kind of the go-to place. You know, everybody talks about Colorado. It's got the most, yep. stuff, yep. you know, elk here and, and it sounds mm -hmm. like it's starting to get a little crowded. I've never hunted Colorado and I, and I, it's on my yeah. list. Um, yeah. but so, and, and cause I want to start getting into your hunt where you killed your, your bull. Um, right. You guys went over there and, and you didn't kill a thing or anything. No, we did not. I missed like four grouse. <laughs> it's terrible, dude. Like we just, uh, yeah. So, so I went to Colorado, like you said, it's kind of the go-to place. Um, it's closest to Missouri, you know, and, and so, yeah, it was a struggle. Um, my reason for filming the hunt is I felt like maybe, 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 you know, I could inspire somebody to go out and just do it, you know, cause there's not a lot of videos on YouTube of elk hunts where people don't kill out. Cause if you don't kill, you probably won't have a video, right? So I thought, now, hey, this is what it was like, and here, here, you know, here you go. But we got into a few elk. Uh, we hunted twenty days total, so you know, we got we got into some elk. Um, I had a bull encounter once out of out of twenty days, and that bull was forty three or forty two yards. I had a quartering two shot. Um, just you know, I. I knew that wasn't a shot I can take on an elk, so especially at 43 yards. So they're really, that was my only opportunity of the trip. Um, I had a cow close, which now looking back, I regret not shooting the cow because your Colorado tag isn't either sex tag. And my, my regret is just, you know, I didn't get to use my game bags the first year. You know, all that, Stuff is really important, you know, figuring out how to quarter up an elk, how to skin it, you know, just how to take care of your meat is a big, big deal. And that would have gave me that whole experience. Mm. Um, and, you know, I just figured I'll get a chance at a bull, surely. So I passed it up. But, but uh, near the end of the hunt, I actually had an encounter with a bear and I was just beside myself that I didn't have a bear tag. You mm. know? And that would have been so cool. Um, and that's a little nugget. If you're somebody out there listening, if you're going to Colorado, they're, they dropped their prices from 300 something down to a hundred just this past year on bears. So if you do go to Colorado, grab a bear tag for sure. Yeah, that's good to know. And Oregon's, I think probably one of the cheapest in the nation. It's like 16 bucks, I think, or maybe 32 bucks for, yeah, for yeah. a bear tag. <laughs> yeah. You pay the yeah. same price as we do, I think is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we've got more more bears than I believe antelope and uh, bighorn sheep combined. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, pretty wow. bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can shoot three a year in Oregon, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Um, so that's that's really interesting. So you went over there for twenty days. Um, you guys had a good time though, I'm assuming, because you came back. Oh man, it was life changing. I mean, I just you know we heard some bugles and stuff and. And the first, so the first bugle we heard was actually from our tent during the night. And so 
it was cool to hear, but the interaction wasn't like it is, you know, when you have an encounter and he's up close. So I ended up during the hunt, um, I ended up having a bull, what I felt like was 150 to 100 type of range, you know, and he was firing off really good, I felt like. And, and that was the moment where I just, you know, I had the biggest smile on my face in the world. Like, this is just awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and just, just that encounter in, in itself made my whole season just that little, little bit of interaction I had, um, was just totally worth it. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of guys, yeah. you know, I, a lot, I think a lot of guys are afraid to fail, but you know, thinking that if they don't come back with a bull or a buck or a bear or whatever, yeah. that they fail, but you can have, man, I didn't kill a, a buck on my, uh, Idaho tag last year by choice. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, semi by choice. I didn't find one I wanted to shoot. I mean, there was, there was plenty of deer. I, I, I want I didn't drive 13 hours to go shoot a dink and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, my dad shot a nice three point, and that has been one of the funnest, most memorable hunts I've ever been on. The country was yeah. gorgeous, and uh, I didn't kill anything. Like I didn't fill yeah. my tag, and I was I was yeah. so content and happy on the way home. I was like, I shot mm-hmm. a buck, you know. Yeah. And uh, it put a fuel under my butt to go out of state more. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, so you guys came back, and uh, did you make any tweaks, or, or did you find anything that that you that you learned um, that you're like, crap, that would have been nice to know before we got to Colorado next year. We're gonna definitely do this different. Yeah, pretty much everything. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much everything as far as camping, where do you camp, and oh man, you know. But you have to just go. You can't learn off of. I mean, okay, so you can learn off of YouTube. But it's more just like pointing you in the right direction. It's not, you know, you have to be in the field. You have to smell elk. You have to hear elk. You have to see a rub. You know, you have to see a wallow. You know, all that's just important. I can't you stress enough how that's just, you know, being out there for 20 days just was everything, you know, as far as learning. And uh, so last year... I I would have just, you know, had no idea where elk like to be. You know, there's one spot in particular that really stands out. Uh, it was really steep, you know, and we just would go from the top of the mountain to the bottom. And, you know, there'd be benches and benches and benches. And I'd just hop over the benches instead of hitting a bench and then going along the bench because, well, I felt like elk are badass. They're going to want to be in the steepest spot on the mountain. Mm-hmm not true you know and and so i i feel like someday i'll go back to where i hunted the first year and i i think i can kill an elk there because i know now where they're at you know so that would probably be the biggest thing is just understanding now a little better where elk like to be and uh, where they like to live and you said that you could go back and kill one now in the same spot because now you, you have the know-how uh, when, well, that if you put it that way, that sounds really cocky. But <laughs> what I should say, I should reword that. What I should say is, I feel like I could go back to the same spot and get into elk. That's how I really should say that, you know, because mm. nothing's guaranteed. But my whole point is, is last year instead of walking, hiking, oh hey, this is an elk spot. You know, this is where elk are going to be, or at least that's you know very high likelihood of where they're going to be in because of the general area that i'm in um you know and the only way you can learn that is just going out and and doing it really you know and figuring out where they're not at and and 
that's just kind of you got to be in the field to to really learn that right now for for calling did you guys have your calling down the first trip you went over there how do you feel like your calling was and and what was your guys's kind of game plan was it probably the bro bugle bugle uh hike and hike (laughs) my whole game plan was like be like trent (laughs) 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 no no um my buddy actually had a lot of luck sitting water holes and and you know i felt like hey if i find a find a water hole maybe i'll sit that you know but we ended up sitting over water once or twice but you know i i got myself some reeds uh i bought some elk 101 reeds i got some you know a few different ones from phelps and ended up using the pink phelps actually i think was the pink that's my favorite yeah and so we yeah i mean just walk and bugle but it was really tough you know how often do i bugle what's you know you really bugle every hundred yards because some of the places you walk you know you know your bugle was going further than that but as far as how i sounded i felt like i sounded decent and you know i i knew just from listening to podcasts and stuff like you don't have to sound like the born and raised guys you can you can call an elk if you just make a little noise you know and, and so my calling wasn't very good but you know i felt like it was good enough yeah well in the video i watched on youtube um of the one where you killed your bull and everything you guys sounded great i mean i was like i'm like when i first learned about and was hearing about you and i was watching i was like very surprised i'm like man these guys i know guys that hunted up their whole lives they can't bugle that good so (laughs) i appreciate that yeah yeah, no no. you guys sound you guys sound very legit and 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 i say that in in all seriousness but some guys get caught up on how good you sound and it's like yeah you don't like i was i took my uncle out the first year he was out um hunting elk and i had this bowl going and i told him i'm like you keep him bugling i'm gonna go sneak (laughs) in there and shoot him and uh i'm like He's like, I, we were bugling on the way there, and it just sounded like somebody was running over their cat. It just didn't sound yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah. it'll as long as you can get, to, as long as he can hear you do that, he'll bugle back. It's fine. Right. And right. Uh, and I think people really they miss that. I mean, yeah. you just have to sound like an elk. Mm-hmm. I've walked by um, my buddy. She killed a bull two years ago, and I wouldn't have killed that bull uh, mm-hmm. because I would have thought it was a hunter. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. I just knew it. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, I yes. mean, you guys sounded, you guys sounded really good. Well, Truly. Hey, I had, I had, uh, I had elk reeds in my truck, you know, at work. I, I work for a roofing company. So just saying, you know, we might, might've had a few bugles from rooftops or a bugle or two, but, uh, anyway, so I practiced fall, you know, a whole year leading up to it. Cause I knew, you know, if I, there's one thing that that'll help me kill an elk is maybe I can call one in because I have no elk knowledge. So really that's, that's, I'm hanging my hat on calling one in. I'm all or all or nothing on that. But you know, my, my confidence was not, it was shattered, you know, going home, not calling one single elk in, uh, you know, I, I, I had no confidence. So this past year I just practiced, practice, 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 you know, Maybe I wasn't sounding right. Maybe I was, you know, I just, that's, uh, really tough. But, uh, I tried, I, you know, I had a, I had an open read cow call you know, we would have used that and I tried everything. It just didn't seem to work the first year. Interesting. And so we, we fast forward into this year that was that of this year footage. Yes. Okay. So 
Yeah. So this year I hunted Wyoming. That's probably the video you watched. Yeah. Last year Colorado. Yeah, I watched the Wyoming one. Yeah. Yeah. And and you guys had a you had a crew there. How many guys did you have there? Was it just you two or? Just me. So my brother, he loves to film. He geeks out on all that. So he's down to to film it. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, I'll come up on that. But he's he's it was awesome to have him there anyway. Just as far as the experience and having having him there was, was really awesome. And my wife, she uh she committed to trying to learn how to call. And she actually in Wyoming got on the cow call and called that one boy in twice. You know, that was pretty much all her, you know, dropping back 50, 60 yards and getting on the cow call and he came right in. So, so my wife and my brother and me, that's pretty cool. The editing and did he do the editing as well? Yes, he did. I did, I did last year's everything except the intro. And this year he said he wanted to do everything. So I'm like, have at it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It takes a yeah. lot of time. <laughs> it does. It does. So um, I, I'm just curious for my, for my own um, personal interest is is what kind of camera do, was he using? Do you remember? Yep. We have a Sony A6500. Okay. And then we use the Sony 15 to 105. It's the 105 zoom. So like whatever the low number is, I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. Because the footage was really good. It was real crisp and clean, and the editing was great. I mean, you guys did a great job on the video. And uh, and before we get too far into this, how do people find that video, by the way? Because I'm sure someone's going to want to watch it. Yeah, just go to YouTube, type in Lift, Run, Hunt, and uh, it should pop up. Cool. So walk Spaces, me. just... Or yeah, go ahead. Uh, just Lift, Run, Hunt. No, no spaces, nothing. It should just pop up. Okay. And... Uh, so you guys go to Wyoming. Is this a OTC or did you guys have a unit you were hunting, uh, like a draw? Uh, this general tag. So I mean, it's over the counter for residents, and you have to have two bonus points to draw it as a non-resident. So okay. Fifty-three. I had fifty-three different units to pick out, which is kind of the same process as last year. Where do I go? Uh, and I went through all that again, and it was. You know, because I felt like last year I just picked a horrible spot because <laughs> I didn't see any elk. So this year was, you know, I would say almost harder than last year just because I knew last year didn't work out and I wanted to get it right this year so bad. You know, I just did as much research as I could. Thanks to guys like, you know, you and anybody out there with a the podcast, you know, you do pick up any little nugget you can and mm -hmm. go off of that. So it was tough, you know, seven days before a week before we headed to Wyoming, I still had not picked out a unit because I was really? just that confused. You know, I had it down to like four units, but I was just like determined, man, I'm going to get this one right. And, and so that last week I just finally decided, okay, I'm going to go here and we're going to go here, you know, and you do the whole thing and, and uh, I just went with it. My my main plan this year was I'm going. I'm not hunting the same spot more than once on the entire trip. Like I I told myself, unless I get into elk, like crazy amounts of elk, I'm hitting a different spot every single day, just because I knew that's going to give me the best chance of running into one. So when you say hunt a different spot every day, um, are you talking about picking up and moving, or just hiking and moving? What's that look like? <laughs> 
Okay, so my plan was find a general area that you think you can go south for an hour and north for an hour, east for an hour, west for an hour, camp at that spot, and then you're going to drive. So my first spot was an hour from where we pitched camp. And part of my reason this year, so we have, we've got the tents, all the lightweight stuff to bivy hunt, but I picked a unit where there was a possible chance of being grizzlies. So I felt like, okay, we, I talked to my wife, you know, and she'd be more comfortable hitting a, just a regular campsite, you know, and actually, you know, it turns out I talked to a resident who was, he laughed at me. <laughs> he said, no, there'll be more grizz here. If there are some, they're going to be more around here than if you camp up on top of the mountains. Really? So I don't know if that's accurate or not, but so that was my plan was camp at a campsite and then just drive. You know, I felt like I could drive at least an hour each way. And so that's what I was going to do was go a different direction every single day. That seems, that seems like a good idea. Not putting all your chips in one area. You're just kind of banking in the middle of a, of a generalized area that you want to hunt. And then just being willing, knowing, Hey, no matter where I hunt, I'm gonna have to drive a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be stuck driving three hours to the next area. Mm-hmm. So and so, going back to whitetail is if you see a big buck, you better well believe you're going to be sitting that same spot the next evening. You know because if you see a buck at a certain spot, you know that's where it's coming out. That's where you're going to hunt again. And so that's that was tough. You know, just telling yourself even if his mind stink would be if I get into a bull and if he bugles back at me. I need to come back tomorrow, you know, and hunt that same bull again because there that's where he's at, you know. And and so this year that was big for me was not get into that rut as, you know, if you see an elk, don't, you know, that's not the only elk on the mountain. You know, there's other elk around and your odds are going to be better just to hit a different spot every day is what I felt like. Yeah. With the, uh, and that's a great, that's a great point. With Roosevelt's, you can kind of, single in a little bit more over here right yeah they're they're very uh much more territorial and they don't have a big like if you spook a rocky over in some of our areas they'll run over the mountain and just go get out of town yeah. like they're gone right over here they'll run like three four hundred yards <laughs> <laughs> but that you yeah. know it might take you hours to get to them because yeah. it's it's a crappy 300 yards <laughs> uh-huh but so run me run me through the actual hunt here, uh, where you, where you killed your bull and, and how that all went down. Because I really want to hear the story um, with you telling it after watching. I think it'd be kind of cool. Mm. I felt like I should have called my elk uh, video redemption, just because everything I did last year went wrong, and then everything I did this year went. I felt like went right. Mm-hmm. My first spot that I had picked on on X, it's like this was number one. You know, this is the first spot I'm going to check out. And my plan was I wanted to get up high for two reasons. One was I wanted to get up high so I can look around like miles and miles, look around me, figure out where's the flat stuff, where's the steep stuff, what's the country look like, what's the unit look like in general, like get get a feel for what, what this country is going to look like. And two was if there's going to be elk out in the evening, I'm going to be able to glass from this spot and, you know, I'll be able to see them. So the first evening we hiked up, I, th- I actually looked on Onyx, so I'm not lying. It was a thousand feet because, you know, 
guys will say, oh, I hiked a thousand feet up and you're like, you know, <laughs> you did you. But this, this, this was like a really tall, steep little hill we had to go up. And we got, we, we got to camp around noon. We set up our tents. We drove an hour, got to our spot, hiked up, gained some elevation. And we sat down and got our binoculars out and started looking around. And I let out a few calls, and no responses. And so it was by this time, it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. We've been sitting here maybe two hours possibly and just nothing. I felt like, man, here we go again, you know, and sun's starting to go down. And, and five o'clock, 530, somewhere in there, we just all of a sudden, like it was out east and the whitetail was these elk started popping out in these meadows and the first elk we spotted was a five-point bull and i was just jack you know like there's an elk i'm gonna go kill that thing mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and and so we were watching him for a little bit and just got the glass and we didn't have a spotting scope which was really bad because these these elk are like over a mile off some of them not all of them the closest one was maybe six seven hundred yards way too far to go hunt still that evening and ended up glassing you know from five till dark you know we ended up glassing what we felt like was over 10 bulls and you know maybe 15 20 cows you know it was just insane you know my mind was just blown like i felt like i needed almost to gather my thoughts like okay let's be smart you know where some elk are and let's go hunt this area so we get back to camp wake up at 4 30 drive up the mountain an hour and so at the trailhead i uh i let out a bugle and we got a response like right away like it's not even daylight yet and so we head off it's all downhill so we're at the top of the mountain and where we're hiking into is basically downhill the whole way and so i think daylight is around 6 or 6 30 we Hike down the mountain, jump a few elk. It was a couple cows and a spike, I think. And I believe it was around 8, 8.30. We finally, you know, we've been hearing bugles throughout the morning off and on. Nothing real close, nothing real crazy. And around 8.30, we, we had this bull respond to a cow call. Uh, really close, you know. This, this one was close enough to hunt, you know. So, hey, let's get set up and this is day one, you know, and so my wife drops back and she gets on the cow call. And I would like to say, I had a guy comment on YouTube, like crazy amount of cow calls or whatever, something like that. And Hey, he, this bull was responding to a cow call, you know, and that's what I was going to stick with. And cause that's what was working, you know, and I hadn't Googled to him once and he ended up coming into 13 yards my setup was terrible it's embarrassing how bad it was but uh you can't learn that you know without without uh just doing it and i can't even tell you how many times i've heard people say you know it's it's all in the setup you have to be you know aware of what your setup is what your shooting line's like because once a bull's like bugling at you and coming in like it's, it's a whole another level of nerves and just nervousness and i mean i was just shaking like a leaf and excited and emotional and i don't know what all was going on but and so i that that was you know my bad i 
I didn't have any shooting lanes. He walked into 13 yards and it was just too much brush. I was at full draw he, and being that close, he just caught me, you know, through the brush. You could see me moving. And he busts down the mountain and, you know, my heart's broken. I'm thinking hmm. right off the bat, I just blew it. Uh, he, he rent, runs off down the mountain. I didn't feel like he smelled us. Well, I know he didn't smell us. But he caught me moving, and so I felt like maybe we can get back on him. And I don't remember if I did bugle or if I just cow called again, but we got him to go to respond again. So off we go, you know, trying to trying to get closer. And just kind of how the journey took us, it, we ended up on the side of a just straight up and down with a creek between us and the bull. And when we kind of got out in the open, my it was either my brother or my wife that said, "What's that down there? That that looks like an elk." And I was just like, "No, you're you're funny. That's that's not an elk." And, and so, turns out he was just standing there, you know. And uh, he he wasn't at first. I didn't know if he was going to climb, you know, the hill that we were standing on. So I had a thought: Do I? Do I just shut up and try to get closer, try to get across the creek? Because I felt like maybe some, some of the experienced hunters might have done that. You know, like, hey, there's a creek between me and the bull. Maybe just let him go and try to get across the creek and then try to get on him. But he was just right there, and we kept cow calling, and you, <laughs> he just did what, you know, I – I just couldn't believe my eyes. You know, that might've been just the most incredible scene. I've, uh, you know, of course in my young career probably was the most incredible scene I've ever had. Just a gorgeous elk, you know, and just beautiful Creek down below me. And there's aspens I'm standing in this elk's like walking through the Creek. You can hear him walking through the stones and stuff. And it was just awesome. But again, you know, I, this time I was thinking, man, like, okay, second chance. This is where it's going to go down. I'm going to kill this elk. Like, this is just like a dream thing that's going on right now. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I felt like I just kind of let my instincts take over. Like, okay, I need to be aggressive. Let's try to move up. There was, I will say this, there was an elk trail that went to my right. I felt like it was steep enough that this bull he's going to come up the trail. Like he's not just going to come straight up at me. And so my wind was blowing to my right. And I knew like, if he comes up the trail, he's going to smell me. So I dropped my pack. I dropped down like 20 yards and my brother, he's running the camera and he just stays put. I think I told him like, you stay here. I'm going to move in. Turns out that bull presented a pretty good shot where my brother was standing mm. where I was standing. I couldn't even see the bull. You know, I could just see the tips of his horns. And after he, you know, he obviously comes in and busts me again, under 20 yards. And yeah, mm. at that point I was day one, you know, I was just heartbroken, just like, man, depressed. I just, Oh, it was terrible. But uh, at the same time, you know, I was just pumped, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a that's that is more action than you got your whole first year, just in the first. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah. You know, and it's overwhelming. Like 
it's a, so it's overwhelming when you don't see elk and it's overwhelming when you see elk. So it's, <laughs> you better be a pretty tough individual <laughs> if yeah. you go elk hunting because the highs and lows are real, man. Right. Yeah. That's well put. And so for, for that setup, what did you, what did you learn on that? Cause, uh, I mean, the, I agree. The setup is, is huge. And, and I call it kind of like probably 90% of the bulls are messed up in the last 10% of the process, you know, just, I don't know how many bulls we've had that if we had the knowledge that we had maybe five years later, we would have killed yeah. a lot yeah. more bulls. So, yeah. um, were you, were you setting up behind stuff instead of in front of it, those kind of things, or was it just trying to outthink the bull and then outthinking yourself or what, what was your hangs up hangups there? My, well, probably number one is just excitement and not being able to think clearly. Although I do feel like I, you know, did a pretty good job for the situation. The, the first, the first setup. So the first setup, I didn't know how steep it was, where it was coming from. And so there was a little flat spot on top. So if I would have just backed up maybe 60 yards, there was a little clearing there. My thought was he's not going to come into the clearing, which is probably not true. He probably would have. But also if I would have got up on the flat spot, my, my, uh, you know, I would have been able to see him coming for a lot longer where I had set up, it was just dropping off so steep you could like the furthest i could see was like 20 yards hmm. so if he was going to come in he was going to like the first view i was going to get of him was going to be under 20 yards and so my mistake was just on the crest of the ridge that's where i set up i should have backed up or i should have went further down towards him and that you know it could have been went both ways i was standing on an elk trail and maybe he Maybe that's what made me set up where I did. I don't know for sure. I felt like maybe, maybe he'll just come up the trail. But you know, you know, setups for sure. Like the main thing I knew was just like I screwed the setup up. Like I need to do something different. You know. Yeah. So for day one, you guys uh, didn't get any shots off. You ended off with getting a bull on range twice, the same bull, and then yeah. Uh, so, so this is. Still in the morning. I did get a shot off on day one. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay, I missed that then. So let's <laughs> so, back up a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> so we after after the bull busts us the second time, we go down, we cross the creek, and we decide, you know, let's let's eat some mountain house and let's gather our thoughts a little bit and and then the rain hits, you know, like it does get rained on it it started raining it was like upper 30s it was cold it was miserable i felt like you know now we're all the way back in here the elk aren't going to be because it's just pouring down rain and stuff and and maybe three o'clock three thirty we started hearing elk again and just kind of the whole how the whole day went you know we'd hear elk to the south to the north to the east west you know pretty much all around us we'd be hearing bugles and almost like too many bugles like where which one do you go after it hmm. might sound a little cocky but that's just how it was you know it's just like we're in out and what do you do you know and, and so i we ended up heading towards the one that i felt was the closest and the wind direction would be the best um 
So in the video, the bull that comes down the meadow, like the middle of that meadow, that was still, that was the afternoon of day one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was maybe five o'clock in the afternoon when we got on him. Um, where he came out in the side of that meadow, there was like a multiple bulls, you know, responding to us uh, at that point. And for whatever reason, I just, I got to the start of the meadow and I just kind of stopped, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to try to sneak up the side of the meadow or try to get back in the timber and walk the side of the timber. Like, so for whatever reason, I just set up there and, my problem with that setup was I was set up in front of like a giant uh, spruce tree with canopy going all the way to the ground. So I can't like step underneath it or anything. It was just like right up against it, which I kind of felt like it's breaking my outline out and it should work. But my wife was, so the bull's coming down the meadow. I'm set up straight down from the bull and then my wife's straight behind me. So the call, he's looking through me towards my wife. I should have been offline from the caller to where his focus isn't just straight at me. It's what I felt like. Mm -hmm. And so if I would have just went up and set up a little bit different, I felt like he would have probably came in without busting me. But right at 70 yards, he busts, busts me, and I knew, you know, he's getting nervous. He ended up barking, which was you know, it's like, wow, that is so loud. It was really intimidating, but I, I knew the range he was at. He was at 72 and, you know, I'm confident. I, I shoot out to hundred yards and you probably think with a rage, that's, that's a terrible idea, but <laughs> I'm pretty confident at that, that yardage. Um, so I just, you know, what if that's my only chance? for a whole year and i drew back i I told myself hey if i'm shaking too bad i'm not going to shoot and i settled down on the bull and my pen felt good you know i felt calm and and i just shot right underneath him Hmm. we can't really tell on the video how low it was but i felt like you know couldn't have been couldn't have been just too far off but yeah a mess is a mess man i just clean missed him yeah, I'm looking at, I'm uh, after you mentioned, you know, um whether I'd shoot one at 70 yards or not. I'm looking up your spine and your GPI on your arrow and stuff just trying to figure out how heavy of an arrow. Do you know how heavy your overall weight was? 430 for yeah. lower fours. Yeah. That's a tough I, one. I know guys that would take that shot. Yeah. With 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 a head like that. I I know guys that would do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, you know, I could have, I could have not showed that part. You know, I know I'll get yeah. a little bit of heat for it, but I, I felt confident. You know, that's all I can say about it is I did feel confident. You know, I, I've, I've shot stuff at extended ranges too, and and um, it always comes down. I've never second guessed it. I've all, you know, it just comes down yeah. to confidence, man. And and yeah, I guess if you have confidence in the wrong thing, which I don't think you did. Um, you know, obviously, if you're shooting like a 350 grain arrow at 60 pounds, and then you're shooting 70 yeah. yards with a mechanical, yeah. okay, yeah, and then you probably have confidence yeah. in the wrong thing for yeah. that shot. Yeah, that's not I, what you I were sh- doing. Yeah, well, my bow is set at 70 pounds. I can draw it, you know, pretty comfortably. But my biggest killer is I'm really short, so my draw length is like 20. I think I might have stretched it out to 27 this year, actually. Really? Is to get 
a little bit more out of it, but I probably should put it back to 26 and a half just because that's my natural, what I always had it set at. But, so, yeah, I mean, I, I lose a lot of power in my short draw length, but I try to make up for it in my poundage. But. Yeah. Well, over here we get a lot of the shots that you kind of took on your bowl, you know, um, yeah. 10, 15, 20-yard shots. Yeah. And that bowl yeah. that you that, that you shot on video, what, 15 yards out maybe? maybe It was 18. 18. 18. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, man, that was that was close. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so to keep on with the story, that yeah. was uh, – that wasn't the end. Like when I missed him, that wasn't the end. And I would, I would like to say for guys out there that haven't hunted elk, once you, okay. So this is for me, it might be different for other guys, but for me, when I missed that bull, like I, I wanted to go home. I wanted to cry. Like I wanted to just, that's it. You know, maybe I won't ever elk hunt again. Like I can't, <laughs> this is just too hard, you know? And, and it was really tough. Like, it's just tough, really tough. And, and my brother was awesome. You know, he, they didn't, they, 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 you know, told me, Hey, you know, we'll get it, you know, and just the encouragement of having somebody there to pick you up is a real, real thing. You know, cause I, I wanted to just head to the truck, you know, it was still daylight. And, and so my brother literally had to grab me by the shoulder and shake me. Like he said, he said something down the line of like, what are you doing, man? There's a bull being like, he was like pissed at me. Like, dude, there's a bull going up here. And I, I looked at him like, what? Like, I didn't hear anything. And yeah, he bugled twice since you shot. You know? <laughs> and so they, they, they picked me up and, and we kept hunting and we got a, we had a bull come into like 80, under a hundred, you know, and still again that evening. So it was a crazy day. It was a really, really crazy axing day. And the next day we did not go hunting. Um, we woke up to a downpour. It was raining and we were wore out. I was mentally wore out, you know, and so we didn't hunt day two. We just did not hmm. go out in the woods. Uh, day three, we, I stuck to my plan, you know, and I drove the opposite direction, got to the, top of this other mountain different area and it was snowing oh. it was a blizzard you know and so i'm thinking man do i want to go out and this stuff and so i ended up driving back to losing a little elevation because where we were camped at it wasn't snowing where i drove to it was so i thought well there's a few other spots i, I wanted to try out so so for that day i had made up my mind let's just road bugle let's just try road bugle the first spot that I hit, I got a response. <laughs> like, I shut the vehicle off. I get out. Scott and my wife stay in the car because they're not too motivated at this point. And I Google and, you know, a faint response. And I'm thinking, no, you know, that's not real. So I have to do it again. So I did it again. And again, you know, I got it. And I'm like, yep, that's a Google. I run back to the car and I'm like, guys, get out, get out. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> in a frantic mode, you know, get my pack on, get your stuff, let's go. You know, no time for this. Like, maybe let's go without our pack. And I'm going nuts. So we get off the road and we got that boy in to 30 yards and we never saw him. So he winded us and 
but that was crazy, you know. That was a, another totally, you know, different experience. And I'm checking wind. I, that that uh, encounter was just thick, you know, thick, thick, thick. Like some first spot I had set up, my, my furthest shooting lane was 15 yards. I mean, there was some young pine type of vegetation, you know. It was just a terrible thick area. And so we got him close, but he he busted us, and he was out of there, man. He was, he was gone. Uh, later that day, I got another response around 11 from the road, and I called another bull in. Uh, you know, I guessed him under 100, and he went at us too because he just went from bugling like crazy to nothing. And so I figured, you know, he obviously probably winded us. So that was day three and shot a couple grouse, got my confidence going. Pretty awesome day, you know. And day four was the last day because my wife has a tag in Idaho and we had committed to meeting up with my buddy and his wife. And both of our wives had tags in Idaho. And that was a, you know, that's something we had planned out it was like September 15th, we're going to meet up in Idaho. So. This was my last day to hunt Wyoming, and me and my brother got to talking, you know. We go back in our day one spot. What do we do? And I felt like, you know, that I could, I almost have to go back in there because I saw so many elk, uh, you know, glassing that first evening. Like, that's my best option. So we followed pretty much our same path from the trailhead down the mountain, and this time, you know, we – I felt like the elk were further out in front of us. Um, we we had a response, you know, from the trailhead, you know, way down the bottom, faint bugle. All right, you know, we're going to have to cover up some ground, make up some ground, you know. And it was getting towards 1030 till we got back down to the same creek crossing where I had that encounter with that uh, bull on day one. Hmm. And so were still in front of us so this is you know it took us a while to get down there because it's like three three miles exactly almost to the creek from where we are. so all morning you know we were getting some responses but they were just out in front out in front out in front and when we got to the creek we saw what i felt like was a giant grizzly but you know it was, <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience i gotta say you know seeing a grizz and it's intimidating too for sure seeing a grizz in, in real life you know like that that thing is looked like a little volkswagen driving through the field you know it's so big but so we get to the creek crossing it's 10 30 my brother's like dude i gotta go now you know <laughs> so he has to go take a shit and i'm like <laughs> this you gotta be kidding me like we've got these bulls going they're still boogling at us and I felt like, you know, we're in that 300 range probably. And so we haven't, we're having to take a time out, you know, and <laughs> just beside myself. And looking back now, it was, you know, I just, I just, that's why I love elk hunting. Just everything happens for a reason, I feel like. And the timing of how everything happens is just, I'm a, I, be, you know, I'm a, I believe in God. You know, I'm a, I'm a believer and I believe everything happens for a reason. And as funny as it is, you know, that, that little incident was was for a reason because it allowed me to just sit down and 
think about, you know, okay, these bulls are going up here. We're going instead of downhill, we're going to be going uphill. The wind's going to be different. You know, there's three bulls going. So are you going to go to the right, to the left, or towards the one in the middle? Like what are so I had a few minutes to try to make a game plan. Like, what am I going to do? Because that up to that point, I was just let's just go, you know, let's go, let's go. And we kind of got a plan together and we moved up. And these, so by now it's like 11 and just no more responses, like nothing. Hmm. So what I had to go off of was memory of where I felt like these elk sounded like they were when I heard them last. So we got into whitetail mode. We sneak, you know, quietly as far as we, far as I risk felt like I could risk without busting them and I tried to bugle I tried to cow call I tried raking I tried you know a loud bugle I bugled as loud as I could just nothing you know it went from awesome the whole morning to nothing and so it you know we're getting past 11 a little bit and so elk I don't know if anybody's familiar with elk nut Paul Medell mm-hmm. I got his app this last summer and tried to do a few of his practices. And so I get my phone out and I'm thinking, all right, this is where I'm going to use this. And I went into the little section where it's the slow pay. And I had my phone in my left hand, a big stick in my right hand and the bugle laying on the ground. And I went through that thing to the T as best as I could, you know, start with the little elk noises, try to try to make some cow call. Just tried. I tried my best to do the slow pay and just, nothing i mean nothing and by that point i'm trying to decide you know okay are we going to just sit here wait till the afternoon you know what what do you do you know and and so we kind of i felt like maybe so there's a where i'm standing at now at this point there's a big steep incline in front of me and then there's a bench on top so i felt like okay these elk there's a flat up area up there, you know, maybe they're up there. So we make up a little bit more ground and we found a wallow that was really fresh. You know, it smelled like elk and water was muddy, you know, and that, that triggered me to think, you know, Hey, maybe we're in there. Maybe we're close. And we get up top where the bench starts. And now I'm really feeling like, okay, these elk have got to be close. And I told Scott, like, okay, let's just take our packs off. Let's take a nap. Let's eat. Be quiet. Or I can Google one more time and (laughs) see what happens. And he kind of looked at me funny and he was like, yeah, well, he knows one thing. It's not going to scare him away. (laughs) And so, okay, what the heck? I rip a Google and that bull, he's like within 300 for sure. Like maybe 200 yards and he's just instantly responded to me and we didn't get that on film because quite honestly you know i i would have betted a million bucks that i wasn't going to get a response but anyway it's 11 20 i get a response and i'm standing in a meadow so he's close enough i know i'm not going to get to the timber before you know, I, I might be inside of him. So I run up to the nearest spruce tree and that's where we set up. And I Googled again 
responded again. And he, you know, he, he had a unique Google, I felt like. I just kind of went with my instincts. I did. I don't know exactly what like a cow roundup Google is or, you know, I can tell when it's a lip ball, you know, I know enough to know that. And he had some of that in his Google, but I could tell like he's looking at me like he was close enough. Like when a bull is bugling facing away from you, you can kind of tell, you know, like, hey, he's maybe going the other direction. So I knew like he's he's come either coming towards me or looking at me or in my direction. So I felt like, OK, I'm going to set up here. And I caught a glimpse of him at, you know, under 100. I could just see his body and then I could see a little pine tree. And I could just hear him and see him at this point, like he's raking. And then he stops raking and he looks at me. So if you watch the video, I kind of like reach for my bugle and then I back out, you know, because he's like looking at me and I can see him at this point, not clearly, but through the brush. And so he's like looking, you know, okay, where you at? Where, where's this boy? And that's when I decided, okay, I need to do one more bugle, let him know I'm out here and you're going to have to come to me. And so I turn around, I boogle behind me, just, you know, hoping that maybe if he comes to the meadow, he'll think I'm at the other side of it. And he, just a beeline pretty much, just came right in after that boogle. I saw that part, um, and I I was really paying attention, and I saw that you could kind of see the bull messing around through the timber. Yeah. Kind of coming in. And then uh, it kind of looks like he was going to go up to your right. Yep. for a second yep. and then i saw the wind in the grass blowing down to your left and i'm like that would be really interesting and then as soon as as soon as he uh, yeah. starts kind of he comes back down i'm like that makes more sense he's gonna come down with yeah. you yeah. and and i just thought i'm like and maybe it's just the easiest way out into the meadow but i'm like man yeah. if he really goes upwind i'd be shocked and then he kind of just went down and then uh because yeah. that's that's been my experience is that most of the time they'll circle down and come in downwind to you but uh yeah. um and that wind was kind of it kind of was even he would have had to go way out into the meadow to come yeah. out and get your wind. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so that that's another thing where like, dude, that's just sheer luck as far as what way the wind is going and your setup, you know. I mean just kind of that that's the awesome part of hunting, especially elk hunting, is just some of that stuff you can't make up, you know, and mm-hmm. just awesome to me just to think about how crazy I just that's I'm, that stuff just means a lot to me, you know, when it happens, how it does. And But anyway, so so I felt like it was maybe going to come to the right, maybe to the left. But that's interesting you brought that up because I had, at that point, I, def, I knew which way the wind was going, but I def, definitely didn't have a thought to, to where I was like, you know, he'll come downwind rather than upwind. I was just watching the elk. So that's uh, interesting. That's just something yep. I noticed in the video is is yeah. as soon as I saw the grass in the shot and it was blowing from right yeah. to left, um, mm-hmm. I'm like oh, that'd be interesting. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah, he did he did what I would have thought he would have done. But as soon as it seems like mm-hmm. as soon as you think he got him figured out, they'll show you something different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so so he comes walking in, and um, I pro I probably should have drew sooner, but. I, I had seen that there was a pretty thick, you know, spot where he was going to walk past. And I knew, like, I'm pretty confident I can get my, my bow drawn when he's right at that spot. And so that's that's when I drew. And he walks out, like, wide open. Mm-hmm. The reason I got down on one knee is I – it was just kind of instinct, I guess. It was just like maybe he won't notice me as good. And it was downhill. So 
I knew like I'm going to be confident. If I get down on one knee, like my front knee is going to be extended a little bit. It's not going to be an awkward position. So I felt confident. So I went down on one knee and he steps out and he never breaks stride. You know, he's like stepping out and then he turns towards me. So I'm set. I'm full draw. I settle my pin, just perfect frontal. And I'm so, so glad, you know, that I've watched all the frontal videos to just know like that's a shot you can take because that was big for me because as soon as he comes frontal, I'm full draw. I settle my pin and I'm thinking you take three more steps and I'm pulling the trigger mid stride frontal, you know, cause you know, he's like 18 yards at this point, you know, he's going to walk over me if he keeps walking. And I guess he probably just, don't you think he probably just saw me? You know, he saw, it seemed like he saw something he didn't like. Um, yeah, or maybe yeah. he realized, shit, I'm out in the open and there's no elk here. Um, yeah. But he, it, it seemed like he was startled or, yeah. or something. Yeah. He saw something. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, his just, you know, it's probably, probably. what do you think about the shot? Was that, like, so something for people that didn't watch, the bull's walking towards me. He's 18 yards. I'm full draw. So I've got a perfect frontal, like not quartering to nothing. It's just mm -hmm. straight frontal. He whirls mid-stride. Like, I wouldn't say he, like, spooks really bad, but just, he, you know, he's making that whirl motion. So he's he's going to be broadside only for, like, a second. And I just timed it, tried to time it. I'm not mm – -hmm. I don't want to take credit for being some trick shotster, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to time it as best as I could, front leg going forward, and just shoot, you know. I probably honestly blacked out more than I actually even thought about the shot. Just like mm -hmm. take over. I make the shot. He's whirling and it just hits yeah. bullseye, you know? And, and so what do you think on the shot? Would you have taken the shot? I probably would have cow called at him or mewed, um, and, and see if I couldn't have stopped him. But I mean, the shot at that range too, it's really hard to play. I hate being an armchair quarterback. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Man, at that range, yeah. I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty easy shot um, at that yeah. range. So, I, the arrow went right where I would have per personally, you know, wanted to put it, and and yeah. it was a great shot. Now, how I'm, I'm sure the bull didn't go very far, but I probably might have tried to stop him um, right when he turned, and he wasn't kind of he was he was getting the heck out of dodge. So I don't know if that yeah. would have I don't know if he would have hung out or not. But yeah. um, if he didn't stop after one mew i probably would have shot him too i mean i yeah. i mean it happened so yeah. fast yeah in yeah. the video it's like as soon as he turned he heard the bow go off and i'm like and then he saw it hit i'm like oh shoot he smoked that thing and yeah you know i mean <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a dead bulls on the ground with a great shot and it's hard it's hard to second guess that man i mean guys can be yeah. you know worst thing you can do is read the comments on youtube <laughs> yeah and, and i'm getting that but that's fine you know i just i don't care if um, to me you know a million people can comment and give me crap if i inspire one person out there that's all i care about yeah you know? and because you're, you're right like you can comment whatever you want I'm, I'm a hunter i'm gonna go out and kill animals that's what i do that's what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna do it as you know not maliciously you know i i feel like i have good morals when it comes to hunting and stuff and you know it's, it's awesome hunting is awesome and for me you know if I, I i i'm definitely never not going to take a shot just because i'm worried about what something somebody else is going to think mm -hmm. i'm going to take a shot that i'm confident in and that's what mattered to me
Yeah. You know? I've no, I've taken shots. Other guys wouldn't. Um, yeah. I, you know, and so ethics are up to the person and mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have ethics, you're going to take unethical shots. If you do, you're going to take the best one. Yeah. You think, you know, yeah. it, 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 the way I've, I've put it is, is as a bow hunter, um, and, and knowing how, how shit goes a lot of times, I'm going to take the first good shot I get, mm-hmm. whether that mm-hmm. is a long distance or whether I think that's going to be 10 yards. I'm taking the first shot I get, um, mm-hmm. that I know I can put it where that arrow needs to go. Yeah. And at that point, um, you know, it's my job as a hunter to take the first good shot opportunity I get. I mean, if I have one, why wait? And yeah, yeah. and for most scenarios, I think that's pretty spot on. You took the first good shot opportunity you had. And, you know, if guys have a problem with that and they said, oh, I would have waited, great. Do You do you. Yeah. Man, stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep killing shit and stay in mine. You know? Yeah. That's the best way <laughs> yeah. I can put it. <laughs> yeah. So... But so, how far did he go? And and I saw you follow the blood trail and everything on the video. But how far did he go and everything? So I shoot, and my first instinct is cow call, try to stop him. You know, maybe if he. So I noticed that the penetration wasn't very good, and my first thought was, "Oh shit!" You know what happened? And so that's why I called. You know, maybe, maybe if he's not hit good, he'll stop. Like. You know, whatever you do, what you can to try to make so he doesn't go further, and he can go if you don't call. So that's why I call. But um, I run down to where I shot him, and I immediately pick up good blood. And my brother's like telling me, "Dude, you smoked him. You smoked him." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't keep. So I ran up to the spot where I shot just to figure out, hey, did I actually hit him good or not? And I found good blood. So we backed out for like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not long enough, but we did watch the shot, and I was just so excited, you know. And and it probably doesn't look like in the video, but inside I was just like, this is awesome. But so he went. I didn't measure it. I didn't step it off. I didn't on X or anything, but under 150 for sure. Hmm. Um, we had really good blood, you know. I, I, I haven't had that good i mean that's just a lot of blood really i i'm not used to seeing that much blood not for a whitetail you know mm-hmm. um just the amount of blood you know big piles and stuff it was it was a lot of blood and we had watched a shot so i did i wouldn't say that i knew that i was going to find him but i felt really good about the shot there's you know i i i know that feeling where you're like man i smoked that thing but i didn't see him go down i didn't hear him go yeah. down but yeah i'm pretty sure he's smoked yeah and, and yeah. uh just that 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 time frame when you're waiting and there's no like you're so certain but then you're not you know like yeah. elk are tough and uh i've you know i've i've celebrated too early before and on on big bull and and uh it went the other way and it just, it it's after that one. I just, I'm like, I'll get super jacked up and, 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 but I always have that bad feeling in my stomach, you know, until I lay that hand on that bull, I just, yeah. man, it just bothers me. I just been burnt yeah. that one time. I just got burnt really bad and I was like, never again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, oh man. But no, yours, yours. Uh, how long did you guys wait before you went in after him? 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So like, you not, looked at the not footage long and, enough. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, I would say that's something I need to prove on because it's just not like you work way too hard. Like, I don't care if you 
if you see him go down, that's one thing. But if you, like, like you said, if you don't hear him go down, like it's not worth the risk. Like, you know, you, you spend a ton of money, you invest a ton of time, you know, everything goes into this. And if you're going to jump your bullet, it's just not worth the risk, you know? And, and that's something I need to think about for sure. Because maybe if I go in with the plan and the commitment, like, Hey, if you shoot a bull, this is, this is predetermined. Like you told yourself, you're not going to go in. So maybe that would make the decision once it happens a little bit easier. So yeah, or a note to take. Yeah. For us, we, we try and wait an hour. Um, Unless, unless it's pretty obvious. Uh, yeah. My buddy's bull this year, We, uh, we're, I filmed it with the cell phone and stuff. And yeah. uh, it was kind of funny because I'm, I'm, I'm being the bad one here. I'm like, well, let's just go find your arrow. You know, like, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's just go a little farther. Yeah. Yeah. We found his arrow, and then he said he saw the blood just gush out of it when the bull turned. And so uh-huh. we go, and where the bull was standing, it looks like something out of Predator, man. It's just, yeah. <laughs> there's blood everywhere. I mean, we, we were thinking, like, man, there must be, like, three deer worth of blood. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> just everywhere. And yeah. uh, we ended up, that bull went, went like, 200 yards, maybe. Uh, went pretty far, but it was so steep downhill, it didn't take any energy or anything. And he just, yeah. all, all that momentum, and then he went up just a little bit and then tipped over uh, up the other mm-hmm. side. But um, on that bull I shot this year, I thought I saw him start to go, you know, kind of like this as he hit the timber line, but then I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't see it, but he yeah. was starting to get that little bit of a tilt to him mm-hmm. and he was starting to wobble, uh, right before he went out of view. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like, did I see what I saw or did I not yeah. see what I saw? You know, it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I didn't see my arrow hit and I didn't hear it yeah. hit hardly. And, and, um, but you know, I, I felt like I made a good shot. So there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of unknowns, but we try and wait an hour. It's yeah. as hard it is it, as it is uh, on finding the arrow though. Um, Cause we, we came across a big bull last year. My buddy's wife shot one like a giant bull and uh, mm-hmm. something happened on the shot. Something broke on the arrow and, and uh, we waited a, like three hours before we went in. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, Cause she, she hit it. She hit it. Perfect. She hit it right mm-hmm. here. Um, and we know that because they found the bull uh, two weeks later walking around with a hole. Oh wow! Right there, wow. And, and uh, the the broadhead broke on the rib on the way in, and so basically it poked it with a pencil for like six right. inches. Just right, sh- right. And so uh, we waited so long that the blood started changing color, and so what looked mm-hmm. like nice bright red blood started to look like mm-hmm. liver blood. Mm-hmm. Started to get that dark crust to it, and I'm like, yeah. I think I'm like, are you sure you hit this where you where you hit it? And and so we started. I'm starting the the more I the, the more I, I start thinking about stuff. We start looking for the arrow faster, and then we if the arrow should be right there, and if it's not, we we don't go any farther. But if the arrow's right there, I want to get the best, freshest blood I can get, um, mm-hmm. so it doesn't change color on me or anything. Yeah. That's, that's something I learned last year. Is like, man, you know, like we thought I thought she liver hit it, you know, because sometimes the worst person you can ask of where they hit something is the shooter. Exactly. So. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to say. Every situation is different. I mean, you guys got yeah. a bull on the ground. You hit it perfectly. You know, I mean, who's, if anybody on YouTube has a problem with that, they probably didn't fill their tag last year. It's probably yeah. what happened. <laughs> Haters be hating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But, and, and I, you know, I, I shot a, my first whitetail in Missouri, actually. We filmed that just to, just for fun, you know, and, I hit high and back on that animal and I, I waited till the next morning to go look for it. So, 
I have in the past, you know, waited a whole night, you know, to, to go look on that particular animal. I hit so far high and back, like it wasn't, it was at the back of the rib cage. So, but high, you know, just under the back strap. Mm. What happened was I got that main artery. So if you go get online, you look at the artery sketch of, a, of like a whitetail. They have a main artery that goes underneath the back strap and then down the hind quarter. If you hit that main artery, they die literally in seconds. And this buck was just no doubt he was down in seconds. You know, he was stiff almost, you know, in, you know, the meat was almost in risk of being spoiled. So, but you know, on that shot, I, I thought, you know, I wasn't going to find it and I waited and, you know, that was the right decision at the time, you know? And mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, you know, if I'd make a sketchy hit, I, I'd have the courage to wait. Yeah. Hopes anyway. <laughs> yeah. So after you guys get the elk on the ground, um, this is the first elk any of you've processed at this time. Absolutely. Tell yeah. me how that went. Uh, it went good. There we go. It it went good, but overwhelming is the word of the day. Like, just, okay, so walking up to a dead elk, first of all, like, you've been hunting these animals for two years now. You've seen a few. You've smelled them. And now, here, here, here it is. Here's an elk. This is what it is. And just, it's bigger you know like way way bigger than anything i've ever seen as far as a wild animal um overwhelming just awesome overwhelming and everything and i had watched all the youtube videos if you're listening born and raised you know thanks a lot on the on the how to cut up an elk because that stuff is big you know it's almost as big as how to shoot an elk really because had i not Cause that's the only thing I had to go off of really. And of course I, I had experience, you know, caping out of white tail and stuff and that helps too. But as far as how to quarter an elk, what to do with the meat, I had the uh, game bags, tag, bomb, boned out meat, meat bags. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So they're called tag bags. They're made out of Alaska, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I knew I was going to debone the elk and we got, got after it really. And just, yeah, I mean, the the skin was just, I mean, like an inch thick on top of the neck. I was just blown away at, like, how thick the skin was, behind, especially behind the head and around the base of the antlers, getting the cape off and everything. Um, you know, so we quartered it out, got it out on on a tarp. I had a little tarp and set it out on a tarp and, and uh, deboned it, got it in bags. And yeah, it was overwhelming. Like, that's a lot of meat. It's a yeah. really it's a real thing, you know, and my knife setup was good. I, I used the, uh, I think it's the Ozark trail replaceable blade knife. Um, I had a Gerber, like the small Gerber, like it's a replaceable blade, but it's not, not the one Not it's not the big game vital. It might just be the vital. Hmm. I used both of those switch back and forth and they both work decent, but I, I went probably through like four blades on the whole thing, which was kind of, a bigger deal maybe than I thought it would be, but not too bad, you know? And, and, uh, so yeah, we deboned it, got the hide off. Everything's heavier than you think it is. Everything's just heavy, you know? And 
So we had saw that grizz and we knew we wanted to move the meat as soon as we could away from the kill uh, down to maybe a little bit more open area in the shade somewhere. So we, we shuttled the meat 500 yards maybe away from the kill site, got it all hanging. And then, so when we were, we had all the meat in bags and my brother's like, dude, I'm taking two bags, you know, two quarter bags. Holy like, smokes. We're just, we're just not going very far, you know. I'll, I'll, I can do that. And so we put two bags on his pack, and hmm. he even – I mean, he got it off the ground, but it was just like that was the moment when we realized, like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'll into something here, you know. And because, you know, just looking at it, you think, you think, like, dude, I can do two bags. And so that's when we realized, like, okay, it's going to be a long night. This stuff is heavy. It weighs a lot. So we shut we we uh we got it shuttled down and away from the carcass and and uh, I think it was at that point like five thirty six o'clock ish by the time we had all the meat away from and hanging so from about twelve to five thirty it's about how long it took to break it down and get it hanging. Holy smokes! And then did you guys get it? You guys didn't get it all out in one trip, did you? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Nope. I, I took the head and the hide and I would probably not do that next time, but this is my first bull and I had saw that grizz. I, I felt like, you know, there's a good chance that meat is going to be gone when I come back. I was, I was intimidated for sure. For one and two was just, I don't know, like, you know, you, you, the famous last load thing, Cameron Haynes always taking the, the head and the hideout, last load, take the meat off first. You know, I, I didn't want to lose the antlers. The antlers, I'm just going to be straight up about it. You know, if, if I was going to lose something. Now, trust me, I didn't want to lose the meat because that meat means everything to me. But for whatever reason, I took the head and the hideout. Okay, so, and my brother took a quarter out. And we had, from that point, it's like 3.7 on Onyx to the trailhead and so it was a tough tough pack out our first pack out and so it's always going to be tougher than you think and we got up to the car around 10 30 so shot it at around 11 got the car around 10 mm-hmm. and that the plan was go back in the next morning and get the rest out and well we didn't know for sure if we'd get it in one trip maybe two two more trips but the plan was go get some sleep get some food then be back first thing in the morning because I was for sure not going to go back in there in, in the dark uh, with a grizz around, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that, that for sure added a way bigger element than what I had in mind. You know, going in, I had in mind, Hey, I'll carry a pistol, you know, we're good. But once you have meat down, hanging, everything changed. Like it's, it's way more serious than, than I thought it would be. And that's just how it went for me. I, I, you know, I, I'm a tough guy. I think I'm a tough guy, but it was a real, real deal, you know, knowing there's a grizz around and you've got meat hanging. So, you know, before you go to judging me, like <laughs> yourself in that position and see what it feels like. Cause it's a, it's intimidating. It was for me anyway. So 
I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. They were talking about going to Idaho, and they're like, man, we want to hunt a spot without bears. I'm like, you know, I would too. I don't want to have to. I We don't have a grizzlies in Oregon. And yeah. they honestly, I, I, the attacks are getting more frequent. The bears are getting mm-hmm. more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more encounters with more people getting out in the woods. Man, you know, I would probably be a little chicken running around out yeah. there, you know, yeah. especially if I got meat on the ground, I'm not going back mm-hmm. in there in the dark, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I don't yeah. blame you. I don't blame you one bit, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, as far as taking the hat out and stuff, it's your bowl. You can do what you want. Um, yeah. you know, guys, guys are so, so easy to pick battles and die on anthills anymore. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so you guys got it all out and, and then took it to the butcher and, and yeah, so tons of meat. So right, so backtrack a little bit. Uh, buddy of mine and his wife, I knew at this point would be on their way to Idaho. From so they he was he had a tag in Colorado, and then we both had bought our wives' tags in Idaho. So the plan was, I'm going to Wyoming. He's in Colorado. We're going to meet up in Idaho. So I shoot him a text on the internet. I say, Hey, pull down. Where are you at? Would you you know down the lines of like. Would you, could you, would you <laughs> me pack this elk out? And so they decided, sure, you know, they were going to, they were at Boise at the time. So they're driving from Boise all the way out to Wyoming. I'm thinking, man, this is cool, you know? So we didn't go in at daylight. We waited till the afternoon to go back. That's when they got there. And so we had him, his wife. So we had five total packs going in. And so instead of two trips, we we're going to be able to get it out in one. And so we waited. And when we got down to the creek bed, we just turns out the angle that we had for the log we had to hang the meat on, we couldn't see the meat. Like we could see the log, but we couldn't see the meat. And at that point, I, I thought I lost the meat. You know, I'm thinking, dude, it's gone. Like everybody's just thinking it's gone. And I just lost it, man. Like, I just, I just started crying. I mean, I was just like torn, you know, and I just couldn't believe it. I'm beside myself. So my brother keeps going up on up and he's just like, dude, it's here. You know, we just couldn't see it. And the reason I want to share that is just because I want people to know, like, you know, it meant everything to me to get that meat out in one piece. Everything was safe. We didn't lose any meat. No, and that meat means everything to us. That's why I'm going to keep elk hunting. Is I, I, uh, you know, it just means everything to me. It's just the way it is. And so that was a big, big experience for me was just, I knew there was a grizz in the area and there was a moment there where I thought that meat was gone. Like it was gone to me, you know, and turns out, you know, we, I, should have probably before I assumed it was gone, went up and got a better view. But, but anyway, we got it out in one trip and just having those guys there with us was just, it was just awesome. It's awesome. Having friends that want to go do crazy stuff with you like that. And especially knowing, you know, you know how hard it is to pack a bull out. It's not easy. And blood, sweat and tears and awesome, awesome memories. for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, on Anthony's bowl this year, man, we had, uh, I think six or seven guys help pack out a mile or help pack out one bull one mile. 
but yeah. it was yeah. so shitty. It was the worst pack out. I think yeah. we all agreed it was the worst pack out we've ever had, but it was also the yeah. funnest, you know. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah. The camaraderie and, and sharing that oh, moment. Man. Yeah. It, oh, everything it we, is... we do now is compared to that pack out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So we, uh, we, yeah, we got the meat out next day. We're heading to Wyoming. I had to stop actually and get the, get the brain removed, get the skull cleaned out before we crossed the Idaho line. And so, yeah, we uh, got all that done and I took the meat all the way out to Idaho and had a process to process it out in Idaho because that just logistically made more sense. Yeah. So you guys hunted two states this year? Yeah. Yeah. I did. We did Wyoming and then we did Idaho for 10 days, 12 days. It was a, it was a 14-day season, so we didn't do quite the whole season. But. Yeah, and your wife killed one, didn't she? Or? Oh, she did, <laughs> yep. So so we, we headed to Wyoming, I mean, to Idaho from Wyoming, and we had, so we traveled travel the whole day, and then the next day we slept in and got to camp. So two days after, three days after I killed, we're in Idaho, and we just hop out of camp maybe a mile, not far. And lo and behold, we glass up some elk. Hmm. There's a bull. There was two bulls and a couple cows. I can't remember how many cows. But so the day after that, so quick story. We didn't know. Like we were going to hunt together, but who's shooter? How do you handle all that? So we drew straws, and Blaine's wife she drew the straw for that first evening, and then so that was how we knew who was going to be shooter when. So the next day, my wife's shooter. And we woke up to a downpour. It was just raining. So we slept in till like eight, got a break in the weather. And we headed out to the place where we had spotted the elk. Our, our thought was, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see, see him again, possibly, you know. And of course we didn't. And we, we had a tough, tough hike getting down that mountain over to where the general area was where these elk were at. Um, we, do you believe we heard that bull bugle that morning around 9.30, 10-ish? And there was a group of hunters between us and the bull. And so there's a, so this is just one big basin and there's a trail going in the bottom. There's a big trail and these hunters are walking the trail. The bull is between and the other hunters. And so they, I think they knew that bull was in there. They were kind of hunting it, but I don't think they wanted to get out of the creek bottom and up the side of a just a hellaciously steep. Because central Idaho is just crazy country. It's a whole different ball game. And we, we didn't get any bugles. We decided our plan was just to kind of set up quietly at the spot we had seen him the evening before. And come five o'clock it's getting evening we're not hearing the elk we're not seeing the elk we get up start moving um nothing 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 meanwhile i would like to say meanwhile these other hunters are down working this basin we can just hear them bugle like all day long like they're calling 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 about five o'clock we hear them heading up out of this basin like they're headed to the truck you know and so we're like okay, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we'll have a little bit better chance. And so we hiked for a while and it's getting towards 
dusk, you know, I, I think it was, we're right at this point, we're right at like 40 minutes before dusk and we're, you know, we had, we had thought, you know, this is going to go good. We saw these elk the day before we've got a rifle tag, you know, and we're going to go do this <laughs> and just nothing the whole day. And we, we were just at that point, you know how it goes. Like it's almost dusk and we're just like, okay, everybody takes their packs off and we're just eating and snacking and kind of talking about how the whole day went. And, and, uh, all of a sudden we hear this bull bugle, like probably in that four or 500 range yards. And it's a ways off, but we still had a good idea. Like, that's the bull we've been after the whole day. Like he just finally bugled and it's like 30 minutes till 30 minutes of shooting light left. And we headed up the mountain towards the bugle and my buddy absolutely put on a show. He cow called, he was breaking sticks, running around, trying to sound like a bunch of elk. Um, at one point he dumped out his, his uh, Nalgene bottle on a rock trying to mimic an elk pissing. <laughs> I mean, cause so, so I should say we, we headed up towards this elk. We get to a boulder field and there's a boulder field between us and the elk. And that's kind of why he had to, you know, end up doing, trying as hard as he could to get this bull in because he would bugle. My buddy would bugle and the bull would just respond every single time. Like he was hot. This bull was hot. The problem was there was a boulder field between us and the bull. And there it's just too thick. There's no way we can get up or down across this boulder field. If that elk was going to be shot, he was going to have to come in through the sticks because there's no way we could have quietly, you know, moved up. And he he just worked that bull, worked that bull, worked that bull. And that bull went from like a crazy loud bugle to the end he was just like doing like a like almost like he was just like feeling like man i don't want to go any further you know it was that's kind of what i felt like was like he knew at that point like, okay i'm gonna have to go to the end and one thing that blaine did was he would run up towards us and do the cow calls and then he would run back down literally run and then bugle further down. So what he was trying to do was paint a picture like there's maybe three or four cows in between this bull and him. Just to give that bull maybe the idea, hey, he could maybe come in and grab these cows because that bull's further down the mountain. And I do think that, I don't know, it's it's hard to tell. Right. That's what I felt like got him to come in. And he, he comes in to... 50 yards I didn't range it but I, I think I guessed it around 50 and my wife's at this point you know having to nothing went as we had planned we had the stick set up to where hey he's gonna come right here you're gonna have a good rest and everything and, and it's getting pretty low light situation you know still good light to shoot and and uh this bull ends up being at, at 50 yards I mean he's just just giving us a shot. I mean, his shoulder, his front shoulder, he's quartered to us and his front shoulder's just clearing a tree. And I just told my wife, like, just shoot him right there. Like, you've got a gun, like, frontal through the shoulder. Like, it's a 300 Weatherby. Like, it don't matter, you know? Let's just shoot him. And so she couldn't find him in the scope right away. 
And so it's a pretty heavy gun, you know, and she's kind of struggling to hold it steady. And she settled in and finally found the bull in the scope and gave him the works right at 50 yards. And he just tipped over right on the spot. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it was just the best, man. Like we, we just laughed and cried and it was just never going to forget that moment. You know, that's awesome. Coming from awesome. Missouri two years prior, never hunting an elk to put, oh. putting two down. That's pretty cool. It, you know, I, I told, I told a friend of mine just today, like we were talking, like it's probably, let's be honest. It's probably never again going to happen that <laughs> he and her shoot a bull in the first same year, you know? And so I'm, I'm just enjoying it and we're, we're just thrilled. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Tons of elk meat in the freezer. Oh man, we actually gave that bull all of it to two good friends, and they've got both families, you know, and stuff. So, oh, cool. because you know, me and my wife, we don't have any kids. We're not going to eat two elk, right? But we we gave that bull away, which was really fun to do, be able to do. So, that's awesome, man. And be able to share yeah. it with your wife is even cooler. Yeah, it is, man. That that was the season right there. I mean, I, I hope we get to experience that again. That that was just, I mean, I always think, you know, I, if I have kids, I, I hope I could take them. And I feel like that might have just gave me a little taste of what it would feel like to take the kids out hunting. Mm, yeah. It's it's just the best. Huh. Do you guys have any plans for next year moving forward? Uh, Yeah. Um, You know, I'm going to put in for New Mexico, which is just, that's always a lottery draw, but. My plan right now is Montana. I've got one point in Montana, so I think my odds are like 87% to draw that tag. Hmm. Or last year with one point. So that's kind of my plan now is doing the Wyoming, I mean the Montana general tag next year. If not, I'll probably do Idaho over the counter. Right now it's between Montana and Idaho for me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure what I'm going to probably do Idaho next year. And then um, one of my buddies is just starting to mention Colorado. And so it's like, man, yeah, ooh, I don't know. It's a long drive. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I, I had a bad experience in, in Colorado, but I felt like, you know, you're going to, you're not going to, you know, the odds are 10%. Like really how, what are your expectations? You know, like, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad I went, you know, I would go again. I mean, I'll go hunt Colorado again. Yeah. For me, it's just, I want to be able to get at least get away from a ton of people and then have an area where I know there's at least some elk. Yeah. Um, just hunting a, a populated area. There's no elk or you have every Tom, Dick and yeah. Harry going after, after five bulls in one whole drainage. I just, I, yeah, I can do that in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And, That'd be interesting, you know, having a home state where you can elk hunt. Like, because I think it's underrated for guys to go out of state for, like, you guys. You know, you can hunt elk in your backyard. Like, why would you go out of state? So, yeah, I just want to do it more at this point. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I've been, because we can kill, um, and you have to work the system, but you can kill a couple deer a year here. Most people just kill one. Um, yeah. And then yeah. one elk. That's all you can really yeah. get. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just me and my wife kind of in the same situation you guys are. So one bull will last us easily. I still have like 60 packs of elk burger from last year's bull. And now I got mm -hmm. another bull in there from this year. And it's like, 
okay, time to start getting yeah. picky. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, she didn't kill a buck um, this year, but it would have had to been a pretty big buck for her to kill it because she, you know, she's like, well, we don't really technically need the meat. Yeah. So she's like, you know, I'm just going to go out, and if we see a big one, um, you know, I'll shoot it. But she also feels bad mm-hmm. shooting the little ones too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. For next year, for me, I, I mean, I don't think I said it in the video, but like that first encounter I had, like, I'm not passing up elk. Like, dude, I got lucky this year. The bull I shot this year is an awesome, awesome bull. I probably won't ever kill a bull like that again. I don't even care, you know. <laughs> first, first legal bull I have, I am. 100% shooting next year. <laughs> did you ever t- put a tape on your bull this year? I did, or we did, and we came up with 336. It's not Jesus. nothing official. I know. looked. It looks all a 330, 330. Yeah. I, that's a very believable score. I mean, yeah. it's a tank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the swords were 18, 18 and 17, and then uh, the main beam might have been... 45 does that sound right i was thinking probably a little bit longer but yeah i mean 45 47 and then i can't remember the width but yeah it was oh just a dream bull for me man i couldn't ask for a better bull hmm. yeah my buddy shot his first year uh first bull this year too and it was a 316 317 oh wow and i'm like man way to break <laughs> <Yeah>. the ice <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, you turd. But uh, well, yeah. is there anything that you'd want somebody to know moving forward? Things that you find that were vital for your first, you know, couple of years getting into hunting out west, um, that you'd think that somebody would need to know if they're about to start that journey as well. Yeah, a bunch of things, but no, I can't really think of just any one specific thing at the moment. But I would say definitely try to find somebody. Like I said earlier, like. Don't be afraid to email, email Garrett, you know, email you, send anybody an email, like just any questions you have, like, because I had a buddy that I could, you know, feed off of. And a lot of those things are important, but also just realize that you're going to have a plan and then you need to have a plan for when you don't have a plan. Because my first spot in Colorado, I pull in, there's like four or five horse trailers. And tons of cars. And I don't know if you've seen the picture or in the, one of uh, the recent – with when so Hunting Public was hunting with Born and Raised, one of the prior videos. I think it might have been two days ago. Anyway, one of those trailheads was packed. Yeah. remember seeing that. And that's how the one looked. That, I, that was my first spot, and that was overwhelming, dude. Like, I, I just like, oh, I'm not hunting here, you know, and – so I go to the next spot and there's just, again, same thing. And so that's big as, you know, if you do pick a spot, like just stick with it. Like, you know, like just be confident in what your plan is. And then once you don't have a plan, like still have a plan for that. It's just tough because, you know, I had an idea or a picture of what the terrain would look like. I got out there and it's just, no, you know, it's different. <laughs> It's, it's always different. steeper. It's always everything, it seems like. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, just plan to not know anything, really. Just It's just going to just be willing to learn. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. You know, a lot of guys, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. If, if I go and put a bunch of money into something and I don't, and I, I'm just worried I'm not going to at least get a shot opportunity, that has, has really been my biggest fear. Um, 
but at the same time, you got to invest in knowledge and get yeah. get the experiences. And then after you're over there, you're likely. I think your likelihood of going to be successful, kind of like you, is going to go skyrocket versus that first year. I mean, even yeah. though maybe it's still ten percent, you just mm-hmm. you just increased your chances of being part of that ten percent by a ton. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of guys probably can't go for twenty days, so. You know, my first year might have been the same amount of days that a lot of guys get in three years, you know. And so that's if, – if you can – and that that took commitment for me. Like, don't just think that I, I went 20 days because I'm rich. You know, that's not true. Like, we didn't go to beaches last year. We're not going to fancy islands and on vacations. Like, my wife is committed to this, and that's big, you know, because we sacrifice. We budget for it, everything. And – you know, it, it all goes into the 10%. It's just really how much are you committed to it? Yeah, that's a good point. So you guys uh, budget a month, budget a certain amount of money each month to be able to afford these trips that you're going on. Absolutely. That's and cool. time off work too. Like it's one thing to budget like the amount that your tag is going to cost and your pack and all that. The other thing is like you're losing wages, you know, not working. So you got to think about that too. Yeah, sure. that's a good point. So... Well, I think we uh, we've we've covered a ton, man. And if there's any any final thoughts you want to share before we get off here, uh, feel free. Uh, I would just like to say, anybody that's thinking about going elk hunting, you definitely need to go elk hunting because <laughs> elk hunting changed my life for sure. It did, and elk hunting is awesome. You know, for now, I'm not. I think you know. I hope I'm hunting when I'm forty, but for now, I, that's it's. I think about elk hunting every day and it's, it's just awesome. Elk hunting is awesome. Well, well said. We'll give people uh, another uh, reminder of where they can find you on Instagram and in your YouTube channel and, and uh, try and get you a little bit of a shout out here. Yeah, sure. So go, go on Instagram. Everything's lift run hunt. Um, pretty simple. Yeah. YouTube, Instagram. Perfect, man. Well, Hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, if you ever need anything, you want to come hunt Oregon or you want any, any ideas of where to go over here, let me know. <laughs> you bet. So you bet. Maybe, maybe sometime. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite a bit of a drive. You might want to fly for that one. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get out of here, but I appreciate your time and, and, um, I'll have this up here very shortly. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. No problem. All right, guys, that's this episode. Thanks for sitting down, Trey. Had a great time talking to you. Look forward to seeing what you do in the future. And uh, if you guys can, be sure to go give them a follow, lift.run.hunt on Instagram. And I'll put a link down in the uh, the episode description too as well. But uh, outside of that, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Type in my name in the YouTube search bar, Garrett Weaver. I'll pull right up. You can click that subscribe button with the bell icon so you get notifications for future content. And if you haven't yet and you want to support the podcast, there's multiple ways you can do it. You can leave us an iTunes review. Uh, five stars is the highest if you feel that I've earned it. You can become a patron member, $1, $5, whatever your heart desires, anywhere in between. Any amount helps. Uh, all the music that we've been putting in the latest YouTube videos has been going towards that, testing new gear and stuff like that. So appreciate everybody who does that. Or if you want, you can sign up for the uh, newsletter at www.onpointpodcast.com. Uh, give me your email and then uh, the newsletter, which was supposed to start in July or <laughs> still hasn't come out yet. But uh, we will we will eventually come out with the newsletter um, offering 
basically really cool discounts on products that I use or believe in, as well as uh, ideas of future content that are coming out to give you a heads up so you can always look out for the episodes and content that you're going to be interested in. So outside of that, appreciate you listening, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.